everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age comic book podcast, Flea Market Fantasy. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Michael Dell of the LCS Hockey Radio Show. That's right, and this week it is your pick, so why don't you tell us uh, what we're, we're uh, reviewing this week. Well, Michael, I was looking through a, a list of 1970s comics, just trying to pick something new that we've never done before, and I found something called The Human Fly from 1977. <laughs> and I got to tell you, this is fascinating stuff, The Human Fly. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah, it sure is, yeah. Now, I don't know, uh, are you familiar with, because you're a Canadian boy, Michael, and the human fly is like Canada's answer to evil Knievel. Are you aware of the human fly? I have seen the comic, but I have never read it, and I had no idea it was connected to Canada in any way. Well, see, here's the thing. It's based on a real person. Really? Like, uh, on the cover, in fact... If you look at the cover of this issue, Human Fly number one from 1977, mm-hmm. it says uh, right at the top there, the world's su- the wildest superhero ever because he's real. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and I didn't know what that meant. You know, I, I didn't okay. know if like if fictionally if they just meant like he's real in the sense he has no powers or anything. No, he's a real person. This is crazy stuff. Fascinating. Okay. Are, are, are you ready to hear the true story of the human fly? Yes, let's <laughs> lay it on me. All right, the human fly's name is Rick Rojat, R-O-J-A-T-T. Uh, and he was 29 years old, and he emerged from uh, Montreal, Quebec. He claimed to be a former Hollywood stuntman who had survived a car crash that killed his wife and daughter. He needed 38 operations in four years to recover. When it was all said and done, his skeleton was 60% steel. Because of all the <laughs> okay. surgeries. Okay. So, he wanted to be a stuntman and a daredevil to inspire others to overcome their disabilities. And uh, that's why he became the human fly. And he gave his profits to children's hospitals and others in need. And he wore the costume in the comic book is the co- based on his real life costume. Like this really? guy existed before the comic book. All right. Uh, okay. And he actually wore the same re- like the outfit. Describe the outfit for the people, Michael, at home. You can't see uh, the fly. It is well. It's red, mainly red, and um, it's there's eye holes with like white kind of like I don't know what they are wings kind of around them. Yeah, it's a little bit like a lucha libre wrestling mask. Yeah. Okay. And, and then like he a, has yeah, like the white cross across the face and right white lines down the arms. Right, and then it goes down to like his. Like a symbol on his stomach that's like, that's a rocket, right? Yeah, rocket. Yeah, yeah it's weird. <laughs> and, <laughs> then, and then he has got white gloves and kind of white boots, and that's pretty much it. And, and he wears a, uh, well, he, he's got the, uh, I guess there's only white on the front of his shins and feet. So they're yeah, not that's what like, I mean. They're not, yeah, they're not really boots. Technically they're just boots. a design, right? He also carries a, a scepter with him, a special right. baton. And he wears a cape, although on the cover he's not wearing the cape. Uh, well, in one of the pictures he is, but he's wearing a uh, he wears a white cape with like three symbols on it and stuff, like star symbols. All right, so mm-hmm. that's the human fly, and he's a legit person, and he was basically, like I said, Canada's answer to evil Knievel, because in the 1970s, Michael, daredevils were all the rage because of this evil Knievel character. You know, that's right. Yeah. Uh, he was hugely popular. 
So the human fly kind of like took on him as a rival, and he says, I want to be the best Daredevil ever, better than the evil can evil. And he gained fame by standing on the top of a DC-8 airliner flying at 300 miles per hour over the Mojave Desert. And he did this in 1976. The human fly did? Yes. Wow, okay. And you can find videos of it. It's amazing. I went down a human fly rabbit hole on YouTube recently, and it's it's unbelievable. (laughs) Like, he's appearing on Canadian talk shows and stuff, being interviewed Mm -hmm. in his outfit and everything. Um, Oh, it's amazing. All right, so anyway... Uh, yeah, that stunt, he'd stood on a DC-8 airliner, and it had the human fly stenciled on the side of the plane, and, uh, like, he was strapped to a, uh, support, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Like a harness? Uh, like a stick. (laughs) Okay, sure, there you go, yeah, it's a twig, okay. (laughs) Like a metal, like, contraption was, so he was strapped to that, he wasn't just standing freely, he was strapped to Mm -hmm. a metal, but this plane was going, they say 300 miles per hour. Uh, maybe some doubt between 250 and 300, but still, okay. it's impressive. <laughs> and he actually, in the Mojave Desert one, he actually did it one day, and then he did it again the next day. But those were the second and third times he attempted it. The first time he attempted it, and this is all in 1976, he uh, tried to do it near Dallas. And the one problem, when they're flying up to like 250 miles an hour, they encountered a rainstorm. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And they, this gets depicted a bit in the comic book, too. They, they uh, throw back to this. But when you're flying at 250 miles per hour through a rainstorm, the raindrops hurt. <laughs> yeah. They hurt a lot. Uh-huh. So when they landed, he was basically knocked silly. He was knocked loopy by all the rain. And he also, su- he also suffered very severe burn, wind burn, oh. over the lower portions of his body. So he had to be in, go to the hospital... Like they, ha- he was like lifeless when they took him off the uh, the plane. <laughs> they loaded him into an ambulance, and they had to take him to a hospital. And he was in the hospital for reports vary at least two weeks. Some say up to a month. <laughs> like two weeks in the hospital and two weeks at home recovering. Um, but yeah, so it did not go well. Um, but then the ones in the Mojave Desert did go well because there was no rain. So that was, <laughs> okay. That was successful. Done, done in by water. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So uh, after this, he became kind of a, a celebrity for the guy who was riding on top of the DC-8 airliner. And Marvel, they reached a licensing agreement with Marvel. So that's why they, they made this comic book about him because of the success of that stunt. But he had other stunts in mind. He had claimed that he wanted to uh, ride a rocket over the English Channel. <laughs> that sounds in, that sounds entirely safe. Okay, yeah, he was just exactly. going to cling to the side of a rocket while we shot across the English Channel. <laughs> okay, and then uh, he said his final stunt was going to be he wanted to jump off the top of Toronto's CN Tower. Jesus in, Christ! Into twenty feet of water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have worked. I'm sure that would have yeah. gone smoothly. No problem Jeez. there. Jeez. People commit suicide by diving into water, like, from that height. Jeez. It reminds me of, like, the old cartoons. Didn't, like, Daffy Duck and uh, Bugs Bunny have a rivalry? They were doing stunts, and they wanted to, like, jump off of something into a cup of water. Or it was, <laughs> like, like, I think it was, yeah, it was Yosemite Sam. He, like, he dove into, uh, the, yeah, like, a bucket of water. Yeah, yes. it was ridiculous. <laughs> wow. That sounded okay. like what the human fly wanted to do. But sadly, he never got a chance to do those stunts because uh, in October of 1977, at Montreal's Olympic Stadium, 
he attempted to uh, surpass Evil Knievel's record for jumping school buses. Okay. Like, Knievel had the record at like 13 school buses. So okay. the, the human fly said, you know what I want to do? I want to jump 36. <laughs> and he said, Jesus. Well, no. and, yeah, they said, no, no, no. No, human fly. You can't jump 36. That's insane. So he goes, all right, I'll do yeah. 27. <laughs> what? The- <laughs> How about 14? Try for 14 yes. first. Yeah, start for 14. So he, wow. uh, th- this was at the, the opening act for like a disco concert in Montreal uh, featuring Gloria Gaynor and uh, <laughs> and some other disco stars in the 70s. Nice. And the tickets, uh, there are still plenty of uh, good seats available. Let's put it that way. <laughs> when, when, they, uh, <laughs> yeah. when the human fly <laughs> took to the ramp on his rocket-powered motorcycle. <laughs> and I would say motorcycle. <laughs> Yeah, so apparently this motorcycle, if it was all uh, loaded up with the, like, they had rocket boosters underneath it, two of them strapped there, and it could get up to 300 miles per hour, in theory. Hmm. So he took off on this uh, ramp, and the good news is he did sell way past 13 school buses. So, but not, but not 27, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> technically, he broke Evil Knievel's record. As uh, long as you didn't count, like, you know, you had to land it. Because because <laughs> somewhere around uh, school bus 20, uh, the bike Ooh. kind of flipped up on him. And he ended Ooh. up landing on his back. And the bike <gasps> fell on top of him. And he went skidding oh. into the landing ramp. Oh, my God. And I have no idea how he survived. This should have killed anyone. But maybe his Is body it? really was made of 60% steel because he survived. Jeez. Like, oh he was God. waving to the fans. They took him off uh, on a stretcher to the ambulance, and he was waving to the fans, and they took him to the hospital. He ended up having only a broken ankle and uh, just other minor, well, minor for me, easy for me yeah. to say, but like contusions yeah. <laughs> and bruises and, and stuff, but only one broken bone, which is, because if you watch, you can find a uh, video of this on YouTube. The crash is pretty <laughs> spectacular. You think, no doubt he's dead, but no, he survived. So he went to the hospital, and then that was the last anyone ever heard of the human fly. He just disappeared. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> yes, he just vanished, and we'll get into more of this later. But uh, that was it. That's all you heard of the human fly. And so that was in '77. Marvel had already started the comic book without the human fly around to keep things going. They just uh, the comic book petered out by issue 19. Okay. Stopped. So it do ran you, for two years. Do you agree? This is screaming for a movie starring yes. like oh, Will Ferrell or somebody. The, like the movie's been in the works for years. And oh. they actually thought, like, even recently, as uh, as recent as, like, 2016, 2017, people were talking about making this movie. So it's been in the works for many years, but it's never actually happened yet. Um, oh. Another filmmaker was going to make a documentary on The Human Fly, and there's, uh, like, a seven-minute video short on YouTube you can, fly, you can find out about it. But we'll talk more about The Human Fly after we discuss the comic book, because I don't want to ruin things for the kids out there. We'll, sure. we'll, we'll talk to him because his true story of the human fly is a little different than it's portrayed. Mm. <laughs> it's little, there's, okay. no, there's no Spider-Man in his life then, you're saying? <laughs> no, no, no. But there's some shady stuff going on with the human fly. Ooh, okay, <laughs> interesting, <laughs> interesting, okay. So we'll get to that after we talk about the book. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the human fly. I can't believe you as a good, proud Canadian never heard of the human fly. Like, that never, no, I never knew there was a connection. I just I knew there was a Marvel <laughs> comic, but that was it. So, wow. all right, uh, there's a couple other, uh, before we get into the book, a couple other names we need to mention from characters here, just so everyone knows what we're talking about. 
Uh, a fella named Ted Locke plays the Human Flies engineer. And he, yes. he's a former Vietnam vet who was injured, and uh, he has ha- hooks for hands. Yeah. And now, I don't know if you know of this guy either, Mike. His name was J.J. Arms, A-R-M-E-S. And he was a private... He's oh, a real guy. This is a real guy. He was a famous okay. detective in the 1970s. I think he he got kind of got famed because he he uh, rescued Marlon Brando's kid, I believe. Really? But they I had, had no action. Idea. They had action figures made of him and everything because um, he did have wow. hook hands. And so the the thing is, like this guy, this Ted Lock is probably based on him because of his popularity. Like, they, oh, let's make him with hook hands. I don't know. Um, so another, uh, character we'll be discussing is Blaze Kendall and Mm -hmm. she's the African American female pilot for the human fly. Then, then we have Arnie Berman and he's like his, uh, human flies, nebbish, uh, manager, business manager. Mm -hmm. And then finally we have Harmony Mm -hmm. White spelled W H Y T E. And she's a news reporter for a local TV station there who's uh, intent on exposing who the human fly really is because no one knows who he really is, you know, his secret identity. Um, There's something else I wanted to say about the human fly and all this stuff. Now I forget. Hmm. All right, I'm sure it'll come to me later. I'm sure it'll come to you, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I wanted to say all the comic book stories, for all basically the premise was that he would travel the country doing these uh, stunts to raise money for kids. And in the course of the stunts, there would always be some criminal trying to steal the money. Ah, so okay. That was pretty much the formula for every issue up until then, I believe, issue 11. Uh, I, I should mention all 19 issues of the series were written by Bill Mantlow. And the yep. artist for this issue is Lee Elias. Who I've never heard of. Yeah, we'll talk about him later. Um, sure. But uh, so that was the premise for basically all the issues until issue eleven, where they depicted his uh, infamous Montreal crash on the okay. motorcycle bike. So then the remaining issues were kind of like the human fly trying to regain his confidence, which is pretty okay. good. I think that's pretty good, you know. Yeah, it's a cool idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't read any more human flies though, but uh, I might. We'll see. I don't know. I'm very busy, but we'll see. Uh, so. <laughs> All right, so that sets the stage for the Human Fly issue one, which we'll be discussing today. And again, this is from 1977. Right. Was was this the year you were born, Michael? 77? No, I was born in 76. 76. I was 75. So look at that. We're right right there. Right in our heyday, Michael, as toddlers. (laughs) As wee babies. The Human Fly. Oh, we should mention it. Well, no, I'll get into it later. Because when you sure. get into the backstory, there's something else I wanted to talk about, but we'll get into it later after that we talk about the issue. The the only thing I want to point out is I noticed in the indicia on the inside it says copyright Human Fly Spectaculars Limited. Yes. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. You don't usually see that in a Marvel comic, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's basically they approached Marvel. I guess Marvel's trying to cash in on the Evil Knievel craze, but they couldn't get right. Evil Knievel. So okay. the people behind the human fly who we'll discuss later approached Marvel with the idea and they, but they basically, it was like, it almost seemed like they were paying Marvel to do the book. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. <laughs> so, huh. Uh, but here we are. Stanley presents the human fly and the title of this issue is Death Walk. But, are uh, we going to talk about the cover or no? Yeah, we have to talk about the cover because I really love okay. this cover. Yeah. Descri- was this Al Milgram drew this, I believe? 
No, I huh. I don't know. I'll look it up. Describe the sure. cover. So, so uh, the human fly is kind of running towards the viewer. He's holding his scepter, right? No cape, like we said. There's like this explosion behind him. And there's one, two, three, four scenes of action going on around him, which is kind of cool. And one scene, he's he's dangling upside down from a helicopter. And another one, he's balancing on like a, um, what is that called? Like a, just a balance, what is that called? Just a balancing wire? Like attached, um, like a yeah, like a, a tightrope wire. Or, yeah, uh, a tightrope, right? A tightrope, yeah. yeah. Uh, attached to like the a, like a rock next to a, a waterfall, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then and then uh, and then he's of course flying on top of a jet on one of them. Yep. But Which this is, is my favorite stunt. one. Yeah, wrestling with a shark. <laughs> I love that. Smacking <laughs> the shark with a scepter. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, right across the nose, the hammer yep. the shark. And it says, uh, there's a blurb on the right that says, first fantastic issue. And then at the bottom, there's a blurb that says, from the shadow of the grave, he rose to become the greatest death defier of them all. Wow, this is amazing. And the cover was, in fact, drawn by Al Milgram. Really? Wow, it's it's pretty good for Al Milgram. Oh, it's a great cover. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. Solid, definitely, yeah. And then under 30 cents, uh, Mm -hmm. September 1977. And then underneath the price, we get the little character box. Of the human fly standing there, uh, hands on hips, with his cape over his right. left shoulder. Uh, this is great stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's fun. Yes, I love it. All right, so now we get to the issue. Uh, again, it's called Death Walk. And Mike L., look at this splash page. The human fly hanging upside down from a metal pole extended from beneath a helicopter. And he's and he's uh, suspended over a jetliner. Yes. And it's and also raining and thunder and lightning and stuff. That's too. right. That's right. That killer rain we talked about, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, basically, he's suspended over this plane and we're getting his thoughts. And we're it's cool because we're cutting away to all the supporting characters you mentioned. And we're getting their thoughts as well. So, you know, Human Fly is kind of explaining what's going on. Magnet clamps and gloves will adhere to my... Adhere me to my target if I'm not blown away before I can reach it, right? And then we yep. cut away to Ted Locke, kind of describing what he's doing. Uh, yeah, he's the then, engineer, uh, the guy with right. the hook hands, and he he designed this pole that extends beneath our jet helicopter because um, it is a jet helicopter, not just a normal helicopter. It's oh, up. okay. Yeah, that's why I can keep up with an airliner. Oh, uh, okay. But he designed this metal pole that extends beneath that the human flies hanging from, and he has to secure it though. Like he's trying with all his might to keep it steady, so the human fly doesn't fall. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, and then, and, then, <laughs> Interesting. And, then we, and then and then we cut over. And it's funny because I didn't know these people were real. So, well, these people are, aren't real, really. But they're based on real people, right? Well, the human fly is real, but Ted Locke, he's not that. He's kind of they just stole the hook hands from that famous private. I got see. I thought they were all based on his actual crew. No way that you were talking. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, just to make that clear, his actual crew was a bunch of uh, con men and snake oil cells. Nice. (laughs) I'm looking forward to hearing that story. (laughs) So, so yeah. So then we cut over to Blaze Kendall, um, and she is. Yeah, she's the pilot, and she's kind of just talking herself through this job, and which we'll get to later. Yeah, she's just like, to be clear, you know, she's the pilot of the jet helicopter. Okay, right, yeah, right, not right. the plane. Uh, right, and then we cut down below, and Harmony White is, um, you know, reporting from the ground. You know, Harmony White for West TV, blah blah blah. 
And then it's it's kind of funny the way they do this story because while she's talking, she actually flashes back, and then she's like. You know, one hour ago, a holiday mood pervaded Houston International Airport as a weekend crowd prepared for the premiere performance of The Human Fly. And then we flash back to her interviewing. This is his manager, right? Yeah. This redhead guy. Yeah. So he's standing there in his full costume and, and you know, kind of just explaining what's going on. But then while they're doing this interview in this flashback, um, suddenly the press plane from New York, it's been hijacked. Yes. So then this is now we kind of have flashback within flashback because now this guy is ex is explaining to the human fly about how <laughs> yep. on the plane this gang um has been taken over or sorry this gang led by a guy called the mercenary. <laughs> Look um, at, has, let's talk about the mercenary cuz uh he he wears like a green jumpsuit, brown gloves and he has a gun and he, he's got a red helmet with a blue circle and a white skull on it and some goggles. Not that intimidating. I got to tell no, you. No, not really. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> and then his goons are all wearing, like, one's got a brown jacket, one's got a blue jacket, but they both have, like, these blue hoods or these black hoods, right? Yeah. Well, not hoods, but full, like, full face. Like ski masks, masks kind of yeah. things. Yeah. And so, yeah, so he's the mercenary. And so he's basically threatening everyone. And then when we cut to the, the shot but of the Mike crowd. Al. Mike L. He's threatening everyone in that crowd, the press junket. A lot of press people on there. Do you recognize anyone in that panel? Well, I recognize Peter Parker. That's right, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I was just about to say that. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is which is cool because I guess it shows that no matter who's drawing Peter Par <clears throat> Peter Parker, you can always tell it's him, right? Yeah, that's that, that's the well, one thing I took out of too. Like, you know, this is Leo Lies. He's never drawn Spider. -Man. Well, I guess he did do one, maybe one issue of Spider Man in his career. But look at that, everyone. You see Peter Parker, you know it's Peter Parker. Right. Uh, that's pretty impressive, I think. <laughs> you got to wonder, yeah, if they have like a, a model, like they must have a model sheet somewhere where, that everyone yeah. copies from to make sure they get it right, right? So that's cool. Yep. So anyway, so they give their demands, the ransom demands. We want 5 million cash and safe conduct to Mexico. Um, and so that's basically it. So then, then we cut over to the human fly and he's like, the mercenary may be bluffing, but we can't take that chance. So the human fly <laughs> is going to take it upon himself to rescue the plane, right? Yes, and we Save should mention you. the jetliner. They say that they're just going to fly in circles around Houston until they run out of gas. And right, crash right, right, right. So that explains right. why this jetliner isn't just in Colorado by now. You know, <laughs> like it's right, right, yeah. They're circling. <laughs> so, all right. That's hilarious. Um, I think they'll pay up, kid. Don't you? Yeah. So it's a good plan. So anyway, so then we um, so we cut back to the president and now human fly. Um, uh, has landed, or he's he's still connected to the um, the, the jet helicopter, but he's he's just about touching the top of the plane, right? But not quite. It's yeah, hard he, to tell and again, he started. has like he has magnets in his gloves that will help him stick to the plane, like right earlier, palm so. magnets, right? Yep. And um, <clears throat> and so yeah, they're bickering back and forth. You know, um, what's his name? Ken? Is that his name? Ken Locke? Yes, he's I like, believe so. Blaze, baby, you've got to match speed with that jet. And she's like, <laughs> I'm trying, Ted. But air, pre air pressure is dropping. We're heading into a storm, right? Yeah. And so now there's lightning and there's, there's rain. And then, of course, you know, now we got to cut to another flashback. So now... Well, well uh, let's just make clear that uh, Blaze says, forget that, Ted. You know what rain feels like at 300 miles per hour. So this gets into like that first failed stunt where he got battered by the right. rain. They're calling back to it here. And, uh, right, right. <laughs> It's tremendous. I love it. I love it. Yep. 
So then we, um, so yeah, so then we, so that's funny because then um, she's like, I'll be giving it all I've got, but I, I can't do it. Yes, you can, lady, for the fly. And she's like, <laughs> for the fly. And, and it's like, yeah, that should, yeah, be our, it's, that should be our new catchphrase, Michael. Whenever we don't want to do something, we have to say, for the fly. Do it for the do fly. It for the, <laughs> do it for the fly. Right, right. So then, then, so then it's like his words hit Blaze Kendall like a shot, and the years flash back to a time when, and then we flash back <laughs> to her co-piloting a plane right and then right yep. away we get some 70s sexism in there the pilot's <laughs> yeah. like first time out as a co-pilot huh well i don't think much of lady pilots and then of yeah. course fate intervenes and he has a heart attack right on the spot <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and he doesn't look that old either he looks like he's no in his 30s. Like 30 yeah exactly <laughs> And then it's funny because then the narration's like, it was too late for pills. His body lurched forward, ramming the stick down hard. And then, of course, now the plane is in a nosedive, right? <laughs> yep. So now it's up to, uh, what's her name? Blaze. It's up to Blaze Kendall to rescue this plane. And, of course, she manages to um, to uh, somewhat safely land it on the ground, but she does destroy both the wings, right? Or yeah, one of them. I, I mean, she see. did what she could to save. It wasn't a smooth landing. It was a crash landing, but she saved everybody. No one died. Right, right. But she, so then got, we cut, she got real messed up, though. So, yeah, we cut oh, to yeah. her in the hospital. <laughs> She's covered in bandages and her arms are in casts, right? So yeah, yeah. her body mended, but her confidence was shattered. Months passed as she withdrew further and further into herself until one lonely night. And then we see a mysterious <laughs> stranger contact her, right? Come into the You're room right. and base. Yeah, I was going to say he's in the room with her. He doesn't just contact her. He walks. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. walks right into her, right, into her hospital room. And he's like, you've given up before. You even got started giving up on yourself. But if I could make it, then so can you. You're the best, Blaze, and I need you, right? So yeah. then we cut back to the present, and, you know, she's, all right, people, it's going to take some pretty fancy flying, but Blaze Kendall's going to get through, you hear? For the fly, right? Like <laughs> yeah. we said earlier, she's going to do for it the for fly. the fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then we cut over to, um, what's his name? Um, Ken Brooke Locke. Guy? Ken Locke. And now he's going to have his flashback, which is, of yep. course, to Vietnam, right? So he's a Yeah, young he's struggling military. trying to steady this pole in the helicopter. And he actually is, like, sticking out of the bottom of the helicopter now trying to secure it. Right, right. He's hanging by his hooks. Yep. And so uh, he flashes back to when he was in Vietnam as a uh, military engineer. And, um, oh, yeah, so he, um, he gets caught in an explosion here. Well, he then, was going to uh, blow up a bridge. To cut off the enemy supply line, but right when he's about to detonate it, a woman and her child are about to get on the bridge. So he goes running out to tell them to get away, get away. And while they get away safely, the explosion uh, catches him, and he gets right. shredded by the explosion. A little bit like the Hulk, right? Like someone in is a way, kind of yeah, in the, in yeah. the blast zone. She, yep. He's got to go save them. So then, yeah, and now we cut to the hospital, and he's got he's lost both of his hands, right? So. His limbs are just covered in bandages. And then, once again, a mysterious stranger visits him yep. in the hospital, right? And yep. then it's like, you know, you know, who's there? Someone asking you not to give up, Ted. Someone like you. And then he's all down on himself because he lost his hands. But then this mysterious stranger shows these scars on his arms. And he's like, look at the scars, Ted. Almost 60% of my bone structure had to be replaced with steel. So I think I know who this mysterious stranger is now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh i need you ted will you join me so then we cut back to the present and he's still hanging on to this uh metal pole thing with his hook hands and then uh yeah so the fly is now he's made his way to the jet he's walking on top of it 
And he's like, if I can make it to the forward hatch, the mercenary will find he's got an unexpected passenger aboard, the human fly, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a great shot of him striding towards the camera with his scepter in hand and then the helicopter in the background and the yeah. lightning storm going on behind him. And yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome, yep. <laughs> and then, of course, inside the jet, what? What in, sounded like something moving on the outside hall? You kin boss, even at these lower speeds, what could it be? But then Peter Parker is also there, and his spider sense goes off. He's like, as, as impossible as it seems, he's not kidding. There is someone up there. So they know that something's up. So they do the first thing that comes to mind, which is, of course, shoot the, you know, you know top of the plane. And, <laughs> <Yep>. then, uh, <laughs> and then frack. And then the human fl- fly recoils right from the blast. Uh, blast, throwing me off balance. Mag clamps, <laughs> tearing free. Yeah, good Lord. I'm being swept from the jet. He's got to narrate so we know what's going on. <laughs> yes. <sighs> Meanwhile, if you, like, in the time it took him to say all that, he'd be like, you know. Yeah, he'd be in Houston, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so then we cut back to the ground and they're kind of watching what's going on. And now he's basically in a free fall, right? But yeah. he's like falling fast. Got to switch power flow from my magnet clamps to the auxiliary jets. Ted built into my boots and gloves. So he basically <laughs> flies back to the jet and hold and grabs onto the exhaust, right? Or yeah. whatever the Oh, the like wing. It's a holes. wing. Yeah, it's oh, the wing. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And then he's like, got to grab wing flap and hold on for dear life. And then the narrator, life. There was a time when that word was synonymous with <laughs> death. And then we, so basically we're learning his origin now, right? Like the night yep. his car was run off the road in North Carolina hours or days later and we see him in the hospital covered well, like a mummy well mike Sorry, there's a little bit underneath the panel of the car uh, oh yeah i missed that yeah 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 because like they the don't night- put it in yellow they just write it on the i don't know it's almost like it was added afterward they forgot to put it in and they're like oh let's right put that in there. killing his wife his children instantly right yeah that's that. a big detail yeah <laughs> it's kind of important yeah and then we cut to, yeah, so then now we see that he's covered in bandages, right? Head to toe. And then the doctor's like, you are in a hospital in critical, condi- critical condition. We may be able to save your life, but you will be a cripple the rest of your days. And then, um, and then he screamed to himself since his broken lips could no longer form words. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, man. I don't know why I'm laughing at this. This is a true yes. story. It's I shouldn't fly, be laughing Michael. at this tragedy. Yeah, it's, I got to do it. Okay. I got to stop laughing for the fly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The so, so then he's like, I will move again. If the mind is whole, then the body can be made to respond. So he, of course, crawls out of bed <laughs> and then... <laughs> It hoists himself up by the, what is this thing called? The drip thing. Yeah, the um, IV drip pole. Yeah, the IV drip. Yeah, he holds himself <laughs> up, which I think that would fall over, but whatever. So then he nah. holds himself up, and then we sh- they show him teaching himself kind of like to walk, and then, you know, from a crawl to a walk, and then he can lift up the chair, and then he can work out with it, and then he can do like squats, and then he's push-ups and whatever these are, jumps and <laughs> handstands. Of course, he's still got his face covered in bandages, yep. but yeah. And so basically, yeah, he's, and then he see he gets inspiration from these from these army vets, right? Vets, yep. workers must hurt more than me, all given up without hope. There's got to be some way of giving them courage to show them that if I could triumph over my disability, so so can they over theirs. And so with an idea, the human fly was born, and we cut to this reveal of him in his full costume, right? Yep. <clears throat> so now we know the origin of the human fly. I'm pumped. Anyway. <laughs> So now we cut to the outside of this jet, 
and he's um he's basically yeah so he manages to uh blow the door off how does he do this oh I, radio detonator yeah he's got all kind of little gadgets and stuff too right that yeah is, he's got a miniature explosive charge from his belt because his buddy ted Locke again was an explosive expert in vietnam so he he knows how to rig all these things yeah. right so then he uh so he makes his way into the inside of the but jet and starts, huh? Here's my question for you, Michael. Now, again, I'm not a sure. scientist. I don't know uh, all this kind of stuff. But okay. if you were to blow off the door of an airliner while it's flying, wouldn't like, everything just goes, get sucked right out that door? Absolutely. Everything would, yes, get pushed <laughs> out. And, then, and he should not be able to just jump in like that. That's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but like ev- everyone else in the airliner, they don't even... There's no change to them. They're all just standing no. normal. Like no one's like because every time I see a movie or something where there's a, a plane where the door opens or everyone has to grab and hold on to everything, you know. But, right. But here in this, nope, doesn't matter. No, everyone's unfazed. You're right. Yep. So he starts cleaning house. You know, we we see the sound effects crack, patow, batok. He's <laughs> batok. punching and hit, yeah, hitting everybody. <laughs> and then oh, brack, I forgot about that one. And then. <laughs> We cut over to a certain wall crawler. Peter yeah. Parker is now changing into Spider-Man. He's taking advantage of the fact that, uh, you know, like human flies kind of uh, distracting everybody. So he has time to change into Spidey. And then one panel later, he joins him in the fight, right? Walk. So yeah, so he's <laughs> knocking people out left and right. And then the mercenary is trying to get away, but then the human fly leaps into action and jumps, you know, he catches him by the feet before he can before he can get away. And then, oh, well, he actually still does end up falling, and now he's well, falling with him. Well, we should say huh? the mercenary has a jetpack. Yes, I was just about to say, yes, yeah. he has a jetpack, jet and he's shooting back at him. So this is, you know, he's not out of danger yet. So then <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the human flies hanging on to his feet. Uh, the mercenary, they're, they're flying uh, outside the plane. The mercenary has a gun, and he's missing the human fly. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's one inch away from him, but he's somehow yes. missing. You're right. Yes, literally like an inch away from the barrel of the gun to the human fly, and he's missing him. But anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, so Spidey goes out after him, and, of course, he, he does one of those tricks where he makes his spider web into like a mini parachute, and uh, he maneuvers himself to try and help them. But uh, human fly is still kind of wrestling with this guy who's who's continues to shoot at him and continues to miss. <laughs> But um, and then he uses his uh, jetpack to kind of like, you know, blow the human fly back. But Spidey is maneuvering his descent well, so that. Huh? Well, actually, what happens, Michael, is uh, just one punch. Human fly cracks him and knocks him unconscious. Ah, I see. Ooh. Did but it? Then the, the yeah, since the guy's cold. knocked out, he loses control, and the jet hits um, human fly, knocks him off. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so the mercenary is unconscious, but he's still flying away. Spidey <laughs> yeah. uh, maneuvers himself to help him. He shoots out his web, saves him, and then, you know, brings him down safely to Mother Earth. But then he has to quickly leave because he has to get back in the plane so that no one yeah. questions, you know, where Peter Parker <laughs> How is. How is that right? going to happen? <laughs> I, I have no idea. That's yeah, he's awesome. Like, I got to get back in that plane before anyone knows. How are you going to do that, Spider-Man? It's well, and it's air. funny because, right, yeah, like the panel before, <laughs> they show little hundreds of feet in the air. And then when, after he drops them off, Spidey, we see him swinging away. What is he attached yes. to? There's nothing around. <laughs> what is he shooting at? I love, it. The wide I love it. But the other detail here, Miguel, is, uh, look, the mercenary is now laying uh, you know, peacefully on the ground. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> what? That's awesome. Right. He was knocked unconscious and his jetpack was still flying him away. Now he's just right there on the ground taking a nap. That makes no sense. Yeah, he, he should either be like a thousand feet in the air or like smashed into like nothing, <laughs> yes. right? Into like a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, so then it. yeah so yeah we get the wrap up everyone crowds around and he's the fly did it he saved that jet for our entire city fly i can only say thank you please give the reward money to charity sir the airline has covered our expenses we ask for nothing more ted blaze arnie we've done a good day's work let's go home let's go get some rest but then we cut over to what's the reporter's name something white yeah <laughs> whatever her name is she's like he's too good I'm going to find out who he is, expose him, if it's the last thing I do. Da, da, Har- da. Harmony awesome. White. Harmony yeah, White. Yeah, that's right. So there we go. There's our little uh, wrap up there. Awesome ending. So then next Set up issue, for the next issue. Yeah. careful Harmony, it just may be, because she says if it's the last thing I do. Careful right. Harmony, it just may be. Next issue, Race to Disaster. I love it. <laughs> wow. So what do you think, Michael? Your first experience as a human fly? Uh, I gotta say, on a on a scale of fun, this is an eleven. You know? <laughs> I, I, lo- I loved it too. It was great. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, like like the the ridiculousness, all the things that we were questioning, laughing at, is part of what makes it so enjoyable, yes. right? Like, yes, holy moly, this is awesome. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. And also, I gotta say, uh, for nineteen seventy seven. It's focusing on like the disabled, right? And uh, trying to do charity work for the kids, and right. you have you have uh, a guy with uh, the hook hands, right? And you, you have a, a female, uh, a black female airline pilot, which right in 1977. I mean, how many of them exist today? How right, many, <laughs> right, right. How many black women are piloting jet airliners commercially? I don't know. It can't be that many. And here, this is low. 1977. So uh, it's pretty impressive that they're doing all this uh, kind of stuff back then. I don't know. Uh, you know, well, to me, it felt like a setup for a TV show. Like, this is a yeah. TV show, you know? So, I mean, I'm assuming all of this was probably dictated by, what, what is the company called? Human Fly Spectaculars <laughs> Limited, right? They're probably like, well, well, you got to have this in there. No. <laughs> you don't think so? Oh, no? no? A, okay. Bill Mantlo and Marvel doing this stuff. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because we'll get into those guys in a minute. (laughs) So, yeah, I definitely, this was a lot more fun than I thought it would be. That's for sure. Yeah. And I got to tell you, the costume, I like his costume. (laughs) It's distinctive. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, And again, that costume was created by the human fly and those people. Like, yeah, they just, Elias just drew it exactly as it was in real life. Except he made the human fly more muscular. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what else but I also uh, we mentioned Bill Mantlo we've talked about Mantlo on the show many times so we don't have to go through all his career but he did write all 19 issues of this and I gotta say I liked the way it was structured it was interesting the way it was structured how we got those flashbacks of each person and yes and we see how each person their origin stories and why we should care about them like you know uh, Ken Locke sacrificed for that woman and her child so then he ended up losing his hands the human fly um, lost his family in that crash. So th- this is how you make characters likable. There are a few tricks you can do. One of them is to show them sacrificing for someone else, which is what we get with Ken Locke, and also Blaze Kendall. She saved all those people in the plane to her own detriment. And then uh, another way is to have them going through a tremendous tragedy. And we get that mm-hmm. with the human fly. Mm-hmm. He loses his family. So that's all really good stuff. 
And uh, I, I don't know. I, I just uh, I liked it. <laughs> I really no, liked it. You, I, I totally agree. And the thing is, is like I just read a Spider-Man comic this week. It was Spectacular Spider-Man number 80 by Bill Mantlo. And I swear it's one of the best Spider-Man comics I've ever read. Like, I think he's definitely capable of writing some filler, you know, cash a paycheck type comics. But he is definitely a good writer for sure. Yeah, yeah, like the, he, this dialogue and stuff, it's way better than your Roy Thomas fare and that kind yes, of stuff. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, you're right. <laughs> I mean, obviously there were some holes in the plot, and like, but the whole airplane situation and the, yeah. the guy getting knocked out and just landing on the ground with no explanation, and yeah, <laughs> Spider-Man that's, getting back. But, on yeah, that but airplane. that's like pr- yeah, that's part of the fun, though. I think yeah, it's goofy fun, not like stupid like because the tone of this is fun and just you know more for kids. It works. Like, if this is a real totally. serious story and then you had um, those kind of holes, it would be much more glaring. Right, right, right. But here it just adds to the fun. <laughs> so, <sighs> yes. There's also a description here. Uh, after the main story ends, uh, there's the making of a hero. And who is the human fly? A tentative explanation by Bill Mantlo. And Mantlo, oh, I didn't read that. Okay. Yeah, well, he goes over the history of uh, the human fly and, again, the car crash and uh, all the surgeries. Apparently he had 38 surgeries, like I said, over four years. And, uh, yeah, so it gets into the, the backstory of the human fly some more. Um, but I, let's talk about Lee Elias real quick before we get I uh, finish the story of the human fly. Sure. Uh, Lee Elias was born in 1920 in Manchester, England. Sadly, he passed away in 1998 at the age of 77. Uh, he moved to the U.S. as a boy and studied art at the Art Students League of New York. In 1943, he broke into comics with Fiction House a publisher of pulp magazines and comics that exist, that existed from the 1920s through the 1950s. Did you ever hear of Fiction House, Michael? Oh, yeah. I've heard of it, yeah. See, I never had. Uh, he left Fiction House in 1946, and then he worked for Timely Comics and National, uh, which, of course, were the predecessors of Marvel and DC, respectively. And he, uh, at National, he drew The Flash, Black Canary, and Tommy Tomorrow. Nice. Do you have any concept of? I have no idea who Tommy Tomorrow is. Do you have any idea? Yeah, he. Uh, he. I, I don't think I've read it, but it's basically just a, a series set in the future. You know, it's like a 1950s okay. science fiction comic. That's all I know about it. He earned acclaim for his work on Black Cat for Harvey Comics, and th- this okay. book. This book was about a stunt woman termed crime fighter, and he drew 45 issues from 1946 to 1963. Had you ever heard mm-hmm. of the Black Cat, Michael? I believe so. Yes. In my travels, I've come across the Black Cat. Not, not the same character as the one in Spider-Man. This Correct. This is Black Cat, right. This yeah. is Harvey Comics, Black Cat. Yeah. And most of the comics work, well, most of his comics work was for DC, including runs on Action Comics, Detective Comics, House of Mystery, House of Secrets, and uh, Adam Strange. Hmm. He uh, drew 40 of 40, wait, I'm sorry, he drew issues 40 to 46 in annual number one for Power Man in 1975-76 for Marvel. And then he drew 10 of the Human Flies 19 issues between 77 and uh, 79. And he, when he retired from comics, he taught art at the School of Visual Arts and at the Kubert School. Really? Yeah. Huh. Lee Elias. Definitely a solid artist. Definitely. Yeah. Like, the, like this stuff here, it's like classic Silver Age, early Bronze Age art, I would say. It's like, Definitely. Yep. Just, it's yeah. like you went out of a comic book. Like this art's right. perfect for a comic book. Yeah, like the thing I noticed is like every panel is like a complete image. Like you see a lot of characters in the background. You see a lot of action going on, you know. So 
there's a lot of information in every panel and that's cool every once in a while things will get wonky with the anatomy and stuff but it, it's still mm-hmm. really good comic book art just solid right stuff. right love it yep so there you go lee elias um all right michael so let's talk more about the human fly all right yes you gotta hear <laughs> so, this <laughs> So the human fly actually all started. It was a concept conceived by Joe Ramasieri, who in 1974 was a 23-year-old sausage maker for his family business in Montreal. Okay. He, he and his brother Dominic, who was five years older, were basically running the business. And But uh, Joe didn't want to just do make a sausage his whole life. He wanted to make it big in entertainment or something. You know, he wanted to be rich. He wanted to uh, be a star. But so he, he noticed all this evil Knievel stuff going on. And he said, hey, why don't we get into the stunt business? But uh, I don't want to do the stunts. <laughs> no one else wants to. <laughs> Dominic, you don't want to do the stunts. So what we're going to do is we're going to find a guy who can do the stunts. So they, they created Human Fly Spectaculars uh, Limited, as you mentioned. That's their company. Okay. And they, But they needed a stuntman, so uh, they hired a guy named Rick Rougette to play the masked Human Fly character. Rojat was a new guy in town who talked big and claimed to be a former Hollywood stuntman. Okay. He legit claimed that his body was made of steel due to recovering from a gorilla attack at the Florida Zoo. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, a female gorilla went nuts and beat the whole hell out of him oh. while he was working at the Florida Zoo. Uh, but in truth, Miguel, Rojat was never a stuntman. Uh, he never worked at a zoo. He never got beat <laughs> up by a gorilla. But part of what he said was true because uh, I guess he did live in Florida at the time because when he was on TV as the human fly, even though he was wearing a mask, a lady recognized him as her husband who abandoned her and her kids. <laughs> okay. He skipped Florida out on his family and went up to Montreal. And he was just talking big. And I guess he owed uh, the Ramissieri's, he owed one of their cousins money. So okay, <laughs> so he he became their stuntman. This <laughs> no is stuntman awesome. training whatsoever for this guy. None. Oh my god, this is awesome. <laughs> and the Ramesieris, they uh, they actually used multiple people in the human fly costume to make appearances and stuff. But it seems like Rojat was the guy who did the stunts. Um, okay, and <laughs> there's videos of them. Someone asked them like, "Hey, hey." Uh, and this was back in the day, too, in the 70s, not later. Um, they said, hey, w- would it be bad for business if, like, you know, the human fly dies in one of these stunts? <laughs> and Jeremy <laughs> Asieri was like, nah, I don't think so. We'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> because they said one of the reasons they wanted to have a guy in a costume is because they could just take out, um, you know, if he something goes wrong, if the guy gets too full of himself or too big of a star, they could just replace him with someone else and no one would know, you know. Jeez, yeah. His exact quote was, we could go dump him in a lake somewhere and get someone new. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. So, but Rojat started liking the celebrity, so he started, le- like, no one was supposed to know his name was Rick Rojat, but he leaked it in some interviews that his name was Rick ah. Rojat, and he started to play up into the celebrity aspect of it. He started to enjoy himself a bit too much, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> rumors were swirling that the Ramesieris were tied to the mob. And okay. That- and that they had a million dollar life insurance on Rick Rojat. And this was before the big Montreal jump on the motorcycle. 
Okay. Now, now, Mike, when you're doing one of those motorcycle jumps like that, I guess what you want to do is practice, you know, make sure the equipment works and everything. And sure, sure. Make sure yeah. the landing ramps are up to spec. Um, none of that happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The guy that got to this. make the motorcycle is a legit dude. I forget his name. But he's like a legit guy in this business and designing stunts and everything. And um, he, so he created this motorcycle with the jet propulsion on it and everything, the rocket propulsion. And so when uh, he wanted to test it, and they said, no, don't worry about testing it. <laughs> he's like, <"Well." laughs> he's like what are you? With that. So then when Rick Roger, when they showed up to do the jump in Montreal, uh, he said he wanted to show Roger how to, Roger's like, hey, tell me how to do this. He'd never rode a motor, motorcycle before. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> and God. Said, and he said when Roger showed up to, to learn, uh, he was super stoned. Like he said. <laughs> He oh was either God. he was either really drunk or really stoned. He like wasn't there. So the guy got he said, "All right, here's what you do. You just sit, you flip this red switch, and you throttle all the way." That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all the lesson he got. Oh my God! So then when it, when they sh- showed up to do the stunt, the guy who designed the bike also designed the ramps and stuff and told him the specs they needed. He got there and the ramps were totally wrong. <laughs> okay. And he's like, "Hey, you can't do this." Like, the guy's going to mm-hmm. die if you do this jump. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Ramasieri brothers are like, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the ramps are completely wrong. The guy's never ridden a motorcycle before in his life. He has no idea what he's doing. The motorcycle's never even been tested, but they tried the jump anyway. <laughs> so, wow. So, so that's why. <clears throat> so that's why, you know, he crashed, obviously. And then uh, that's why people think that they were, the mob had the life insurance policy on him. They wanted him to die. Jesus. But he survived. And there was even talk that when he was in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, people in the ambulance were beating him up. <laughs> trying to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> but he survived. And the fact that he survived that crash, it almost makes it seem like he legit had 60% of his body made of steel. Yes. But Jesus. no, he did not. Uh, again, he was never beaten up by a gorilla. <laughs> never had any of that stuff. All right. So uh, he goes to the hospital and he just disappears. And people are like, well, why did he disappear? Why did he go into hiding? Well, one theory is because the mob wanted to kill him. <laughs> you know, they Jeez. wanted to kill him. So he just bailed. And the other theory is he was just skipping out on his family still in Florida. He didn't want them to find him because it had just come out that his wife found him, found out who he was. So he just, you know, went underground again. So it was That's either to hide awesome. from the mob or to hide from his family. Well, you know, what's funny is I, I'm actually on his Wikipedia page and, uh, you know, usually you have like the year the person was born or the year they yeah, died nothing. for him. It's just a line. It's nothing. They don't know anything about him. Now, w- years later, uh, they, like yeah. I mentioned, the guy was making a documentary about him uh, and he thinks he tracked him down Okay. A, that he's now uh, at the time he was living in Ontario or Toronto, Ontario, to be specific. And he was working as like uh I can't remember, like just an insurance salesman or something, you know, like just an office job. Uh, sure. but, the, but the guy denied that he was the human fly. But oh, okay. the documentary guy is pretty well convinced that it was him, but that he just doesn't really? want to admit that it was him for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's still hiding out. Uh, another interesting note about all this is uh, when the Ramasieri brothers were making their deals with Marvel, they had a young woman working for him at the time, and her name was Cindy Lauper. Come on. Yes, the real Cindy Lauper, the Cindy Lauper. And really? Part of her gig was running back and forth like she was like the the uh 
like I want to say messenger or whatever, but she was like mm-hmm. their assistant. So she carried like scripts back and forth between Marvel and Human Fly, Spectaculars sure. Limited. She was like the go between between Marvel and them, carrying checks and scripts back and forth. So that's interesting. And then at the, I don't know if you remember this, <clears throat> but um, back in the early days of Cindy Lauper, she had a boyfriend named David Wolf. Did you ever hear of that guy? I don't no think so. No. If you go back and watch the early stuff she was doing with WWE, he was part of it. He was like, okay. uh, you would see him hanging around. But anyway, um, he tried to take up the name The Human Fly. He started working with these Ramiscari brothers. He was going to be a, a recording artist and a music star, dressed as okay. The Human Fly. He started okay. wearing The Human Fly costume and doing concerts, but it never took off. Uh. So, <laughs> so that was the last we have of The Human Fly. Uh, sadly, Joe Ramissieri passed away in 2017 from cancer. Mm. So, and I don't know about Dominic. I, I don't know if he's still around. So we never heard their side of the story then, eh? Well, he, st- well, he did talk to this documentarian who was putting a movie together. And they, there's like a seven minute, like I said, a short trailer for it on YouTube where you get to see Joe in his later years talking about it. Ah, uh, okay. But, um, yeah, so basically the human fly, him being this heroic guy and the back, it's all nonsense. And, and the backstory about his family dying in the car crash, in the comic book it says his wife and children died in that car crash. In uh, real life, when uh, the human fly was giving interviews, he said he just had one daughter who was four years old. That's all lies. None of it's true. Wow. Okay. Bill Mantlo came up with that story about the car crash. Bill, gotcha. Like Bill Mantlo and Marvel came up with that to make him more empathetic and a more likable mm-hmm. character. And then the human fly, the real persons, adopted a variation of that story in interviews and everything. But, uh, yeah, that was a Marvel creation. Okay, <laughs> so, okay. So there you go, the wow. human fly. But I, I cannot recommend it enough. Go to YouTube, search human fly, and just enjoy. <laughs> There's so much no, good stuff. <laughs> I, I have to say, as far as backstory, this is the most interesting backstory of our entire <laughs> yes. fantasy series. Wow. It's fascinating. And uh, again, like there's a, a 21 minute video they did of uh, documenting his uh, jetliner riding <laughs> through the Mojave Desert. And the, the news reporter, the guy doing the reporting at the scene, a young Brent Musburger. Who's that? <laughs> oh, you're Canadian. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Brent Musburger is a very famous uh, sportscaster here in the United States, known for uh, football in the 80s and then college basketball ah. later on. But he's very famous. It's also because he's a sports guy. That's probably why I don't know him. Yeah. So. <laughs> but it's crazy but anyway. to see Brent Musburger there. Wow, yeah. I am interested in this. I got to find out more. <laughs> yes, it is so <sighs> great. I love it. So the human fly. Yeah, when I picked this, I thought it was just a goofy Marvel story that never. But I had no idea this backstory or anything. It is sure. They're yes. definitely someone has to make a movie of this. They have to get this done. Hundred percent. Yep. I'm in. Uh, it's awesome. There you go. I, I'm just so sad I guess we, we gotta... missed out on seeing him jump from the top of the CN Tower into a. Oh, of water. that would have been great! Yeah, <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, I, I, see, it's funny because we got to rate it, and I'm like, I'm thinking again on a scale of fun, it's an eleven. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, as a comic, I'd give it a seven for fun. Yeah, like, for for what it is, it's a seven for sure. I, I give it a seven as well. The art's solid. The writing's solid. Um, you know, it's hokey and goofy. And I like, but I like the way they put up the backstories of the characters. And uh, I would read more Human Fly. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. 
I actually, you know, I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to have to slot it into my list. Especially when you, I want to read the issue where the motorcycle crash happens. I think issue 11 yes. is supposed to happen. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then when you find out the backstory of the human fly, oh, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. <sighs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, next week is not going to be nearly as fun. <laughs> uh, we're going to go in the complete opposite direction. So I hope you're ready for this. This is like pushing the boundaries of the Bronze Age, okay? Okay. You ready for this? Sure. Neil Gaiman's Sandman, number six. Man, you love this Neil Gaiman character. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, this is like hardcore, serious proto-vertigo stuff. So nothing like the human fly, but yeah. So we're going to do this, and then I got some more tricks up my sleeve after that, but I want to keep it all a surprise. So that's what we're doing next week. what, What year is this? This is 1989, summer of 89. So Wow. Yeah. You're getting yep. real close there, Michael. Real yep, close. Pushing the boundaries. So <laughs> And you said Sandman issue six. Yep. I'll send you the link. No problem. Okay. And cool. uh Michael, another teaser for weeks ahead. My next pick, because you, you're clearly not a true Canadian, you never heard of the human fly. I will be doing another Canadian based pick when I'm up next. So. I'm gonna guess should I guess or leave it a surprise right, for well, the well, listeners? Leave it a leave it a surprise. All right, all right. Yeah. All right, so I guess that wraps up this episode. So uh, who knows? We might have guests coming up. We might not. We're coming up on our one-year anniversary, so maybe we'll do something special for that. That's hard to believe. uh, That's hard. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. But anyway, until next Tuesday, disperse. And do it for the fly. list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.